0: This week we're going to be inviting on the wonderful Kwee MacArthur. And Kwee is an incredible bass player and multi-instrumentalist. He's he's best known for his work with the band called Shugal Nifty, which I'd strongly recommend checking out. And, and myself and Joseph first met uh, Kwee whilst working on a project called The Book of the Hulet, which was a play which took part in the woods uh, through Fintorn Bay Arts Festival. So we'll listen back now to, to what we did with Kui. We're here in the studio with Kui MacArthur. How are you
1: doing, Kui? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, actually. We had a nice time in uh, Alloway, and uh, Don and I did our first Sea Path walk, which is something that we've been working up towards for about a year. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. And it's just uh, a walk with some creative tasks. Yeah, it was in Lunderston Bay, and we were talking to the Beacon Arts Centre, which helped us put that on. And we got some very nice people came along and went on a walk with us, and we kind of looked at a few things about how nature and kind of, sort of the natural world can inspire you for created stuff.
0: Well, we first met the three of us doing, I think, at Fintorn Bay Arts Festival, a play called The Book of the Hulet. Was
2: tremendously good crap. I think Charlie and I were were playing a score that you'd made for this kind of outdoor site specific theatre.
1: Yeah, thing. well, I couldn't uh, obviously have done it without you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it has a few tunes, and uh, I think you guys added a lot to the arrangements and everything. But it was it was brilliant, and it was really nice that like, Annie Grace was part of the cast as well, and so we could have a bit of a small pipe as well as yeah. her singing and. Uh, and Joe even got out the big pipes, which was uh, a good part of it. (laughs) I think
2: I seem to have a gig playing the Highland bagpipes at once every Mm -hmm. three or four years. So like, I think the last time before that was for a Hogmanay in the Arisag Hotel, probably in like 2014. (laughs) Um, So another one's probably due quite soon, actually, piping thing. Um, But you do quite a lot of music for... um, Theatre and for dance and
1: things? Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to have been involved with doing music for dance for a long time. First started that when I was in a band called the New York Pig Funkers. One of the percussionists, Malcolm Shields, was an excellent dancer. Uh, He'd injured himself, so he'd actually been concentrating on playing percussion quite a lot, but he kind of recovered from his injuries with a lot of his own kind of work and uh, he started, he asked me to come along and do a kind of project uh, with him and Jane Howie and I that was the first time I'd played for dance, I really enjoyed it and then I started doing lots of other things um, with different people in Edinburgh and playing for Dance bass. and that kind of led on to doing some theatre things for Theatre Babel and yeah it's just been i've encountered lots of uh interesting people over the years more recently barrel and ballet natasha gilmore was somebody that i worked with quite a lot uh who's got a very kind of interesting take on um performance and uh we did a lot of outdoor work and a bit of outdoor work as well with don as well my wife don hartley um We've done quite a lot of outdoor projects together as well over the years. Yeah, I mean, there's a great uh, connection between um, music and dance and theatre. Theatre is a slightly different scenario that it's like the relationship with music. The music kind of seems to sit back a bit more within a kind of theatre context, but also kind of really interesting way to approach things.
0: So that's your theatry, dancey side of yourself. Could you tell us a bit more about
1: uh, Well, the music and uh, Well I think my brother and my sister, well, they're a bit older than me. My sister's ten years older than me and my brother uh, is five years older than me. So I think they were probably a big influence in kind of playing records and stuff like that When I was a kid my sister was playing records She had a Steel Eye Span record that she used to play over and over and over again so I probably know that record pretty, <laughs> pretty well from a young age. And my folks would take us to fantastic things like Kayleigh's. And when I was quite young, I remember going to see The Boys of the Lock. I must have been in Inverness. I don't know what age I was then. But I remember kind of seeing that and going, God, that's that's kind of really different and really good. Yeah. But I also kind of loved rock music as well and... I did. I did learn to play the fiddle, but then managed to unlearn playing the fiddle <laughs> by not playing it. Yeah, um, easily done. And uh, I started playing bass because I was really inspired by people like uh, Bootsy Collins. I remember my Brother took home and James Brown record, and uh, I was like, "God, oh, that's that's bass playing is amazing." And so things like that inspired me to play the bass. So I started playing with some with my friends and in, in Forest. Forrest. Uh, And we played kind of lots of rock music, you know, from uh, Thin Lizzy to uh, The Clash, uh, The Pistols, um, anything. (laughs) All the mixture of stuff. The Stones, The Beatles, absolutely anything at all. But we had a great time just messing around, playing music. And we even did a couple of gigs. And then when we moved to, just before we moved to Edinburgh, actually, uh, we started playing some bluegrass because the local doctor, Harry Morgan, said, Oh, Ronald, you play something, don't you? Go and play at this Kelly. And it was actually for Mr. Sinclair, who was, there you go. I don't know Mr. Sinkler's first name. He was 100 years old. It was his 100th birthday. He was from Isla and he lived in Forest. And they, the RAF actually flew him to uh, Isla by helicopter on the same day as this Kayleigh, which seems like a bit of a kind of risky thing to do, but yeah. they did it. They flew up there and mean went to Ireland. Then they brought him back and they had this Kayleigh, and me and my friends uh, played some bluegrass tunes at the Kayleigh. Brilliant. Um, Were you on upright bass or...? No, I was... What, what was I playing? Oh, I played a bit of fiddle and I might have even played guitar or mandolin. Guitar, I think. I think I played fiddle and I played the guitar. I didn't play bass. Yeah. So I could still play the fiddle then. And then after that uh, success, we went busking in Edinburgh, actually, (laughs) and made what we thought was quite a significant amount of money, uh, probably (laughs) (laughs) £2.50. And had a bit of a laugh and then started playing music when I went to art college in Edinburgh. And so I started playing funk music and ended up playing with a band called Mouth Music because we were recording in um, a friend's studio and Martin Swan who started Mouth Music was uh, recording in the same studio which was run by Chick Medley and we me and James McIntosh started playing with this band Mouth Music which was a sort of Gaelic song kind of crossover band which it, was a really was interesting it? band it changed quite a lot over quite a relatively short number of years but uh, we had some really interesting gigs and everything. Nice.
0: Was that um, kind of a natural segue into Sugar Nifty then, or did that come
1: later on? Well, the, the, in between that, there was um, Sugar Nifty started, and of course, Conrad Molson was the uh, original bass player with Sugar Nifty. And I would go and see them and stuff. They were my pals and uh, would just kind of go along the gigs and sort of dance at the gigs and stuff like that. And I was kind of doing, I was actually doing quite a lot of music for dance and other things at that point. And we were still trying to keep our kind of funk band rhythm chilling going a bit, but uh, it kind of uh, petered out a bit. And uh, years later, Conrad left Shugle Nifty, and so I started playing with the band. I said, Oh, I'll fill in for a wee while. <laughs> Almost 20 years later, I'm still playing with them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting. That's been amazing, just like the different kind of. Variety of places we've been and the music that we've played. So we had Luke Plum joined the band just before me. He was busking in Hobart and some a friend had said to Conrad who was in, happened to be in Hobart in Tasmania, Oh, there's this guy and he plays down by the, uh, he plays down by the harbor. He's really good. And so Conrad. <laughs> I <laughs> just went down there and went up to Luke and and, and heard him playing. I was going, oh, wow, this guy's really good. And so he just said, hey, Luke, do you want to be, be in a band? And Luke was <laughs> like, oh, what band? It's like Shugle Nifty. He's like, you're kidding me, Shugle Nifty. I love Sugar Nifty.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can totally see him doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So So, yeah, Luke came over to here and I think I started playing with the band shortly after that. <laughs> And then, then um, yeah, we have carried on from there. Uh, well,
0: Sugarless, you were a huge inspiration to me, sort of growing up as well. And it's kind of funny that we're sitting here playing music together now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they were an inspiration to me as well. It's like I remember kind of uh, going along and just kind of just enjoying dancing actually to because I mean that's what I liked to do at that point. Was I was quite into kind of going to see bands that you could dance to. And, uh, yeah, we've kind of missed that sort of thing uh, over the past 18 <laughs> yeah, months or so. Course,
3: yeah.
1: And, it's yeah, it's been quite a journey through the Of course, we would sort of lost Angus in uh, 2016. was a pretty massive thing and we considered what we should do. We didn't really know what we should do and, you know, we thought, well, maybe we should just kind of stop there. But as it was, um, we decided we'd carry on and asked Ailey Shaw to start playing fiddle. Which was great. So we'd just done our first gig uh, for eighteen months in Carnic. We were two, not that many people in a field, but they all had plenty of space to move around and stuff. So it was all very safe and everything. Uh, but it was just fantastic because it's not until you actually do something like play a gig that you realise how much you missed it. You know, it's like. Probably. So it's been, it's been a great couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: And these sort of podcast things have been great for me and Joe from that perspective as well to to play with people again. It's been yeah. really, really nice. Do A bit of stuff. Yeah, it's,
2: it's been fantastic. Nikki Murray, our pal who was in doing a podcast with us recently, was telling us about, about um the the gig for Angus at Connections, yeah, and about was it singing Queen in the style of a Gallic Sam?
1: Oh yeah. Well, that <laughs> that was that was actually something that it was. In um Sidmouth Folk Festival uh, that Angus and I started that and uh, we just finished a gig at Sidmouth and were kind of, you know, like on a real high after finishing this gig, the really yeah. good gig late night gig at Sidmouth up in the field and we kind of went and had a, a couple of ciders or something and then we just started kind of sort of singing it was just, we totally spontaneous, started singing stuff and singing um, kind of queen songs in you know, a <laughs> Sam singing style. That was absolutely brilliant. I'm sure Freddie Mercury would have approved. The <laughs> um, Angie kind of expanded on that as the years went by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the tribute to Angus, I think Heather MacLeod led led that in that gig, possibly the most overrun gig in the history of the concert hall, actually. Yeah. All the staff kept on kind of trying to get Donald to make a stop, but mm-hmm. we just kept on playing. <laughs> That's lovely. That's really <laughs>
0: nice.
1: Hey, so it's Owen here, producer
4: of the Take Note podcast. Uh, I just wanted to jump in here to say um, that I remember being at that the, the Celtic gig that Quee's talking about there, uh, for, for for Angus, I um, just wanted to kind of just just take a moment to 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 remember that concert. Actually, it was just an absolutely incredible event. It did Quee <laughs> mentions how uh, it did go over by quite quite some time. It was it was a long long night, but totally worth it in my mind. Uh, it was great to see all those people. Who knew Angus come up and, uh, and, and kind of dedicate, attract him. And it was just such a, it was an emotional night, but a, such a great celebration of an amazing Highland musician. So uh, the guys met whilst working on a musical called Book of the Hewlett. Um, they have also since worked on a bit of music. Um, and they, they recorded this EP called Memory Path. And during this next section, you'll hear a little bit of underscore, uh, which, which comes from that EP. Yeah, so enjoy the the rest of the podcast.
1: Cheers.
2: We've done a bit of music together between um, when we first met on the Book of the Hullet and now, eh? There's been a few different projects.
1: Yeah, well, it was... It it was just real, really amazing to kind of meet you guys and start playing music with you. And... I suggested that we could do a walk that was similar to one that I'd done when I was 18 and that was walking from near Loch Inver to Clachtal.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And just as an idea because i would had this idea for quite a long time that how would you go about making a kind of walk in, a, in an interesting place into a piece of music But I hadn't actually done anything about it. So I just, like, asked you guys, do you want to come up and we'll meet up and just kind of walk along this route. And I didn't walk along exactly the same route because me and my friend, Ken Sutherland, had walked along the road when we were, like, 18. We were up doing some hill walking and and staying in Elfin. And I'd walked along this road and it really stuck in my memory. We actually walked a slightly different way um, and we walked along to Achmelvik and a lot more kind of off the road. And it was fascinating. Really came across some really interesting bits like the old mill and um yeah. of course the Hermit's castle. Is that what they call yeah, it? That's it? Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Madweed thing on Achmelvik beach. I've heard so many different stories about what this castle is. Like there's um some folk are like, oh it's a guy who Came out of the army after the second world war and built this it's called a castle but it's like a little kind of concrete um cell almost yeah. with like some it's almost like a sculpture in no a weird sort of Last brick windows is tiny um but apparently he went to live in it just live a live a hermit's life like a total kind of reclusive sort of thing but then other folk have said it, it was a an architect built it as a kind of like holiday getaway sort of thing yeah. so not totally sure
1: where it came yeah yeah but, it's, yeah, a- but it's, a, it's a really unusual building because it kind of messes with your idea of scale a bit when you first see it you go it appears to be much bigger because it looks like a modern fortress like something that is built with a kind of tower a lookout mm-hmm. tower but when you come when you actually get closer to it you realize it's actually the little tower bit it's just the chimney i think yeah but it's got these tiny windows in it mm-hmm. so the scale of it looks massive from a distance and as you get closer you realise it's absolutely tiny with just enough room for one person to lie down inside. Yeah. Things like that are really unusual and the mill was incredible as well the old kind of Norse style mill that was just sitting there with no roof and you could see the stones Mm -hmm. the millstones had kind of fallen out the bottom as the floor must have rotted away years ago Yeah, that was quite quite evocative seeing all of that. Yeah so we just got together and basically kind of chose a piece of the route to try and remember and started jamming and recorded hours and of music, a lot of which not very much happens. I mean, I might kind of revisit some of that one day. And have a listen. Kind of chose the bits where things do happen and then we made that into the kind of memory path EP really, just like a series of digital EP series of the recordings where the kind of where interesting things happened related to relating to that walk.
2: That was such an interesting bit of time for me of making music. Because the way that we kind of jammed, it was really just like improv like really, really free. And it was it was so nice to just spend quite a lot of time doing that. Like I think me and Charlie came up to you, to Newburgh, to your studio, like, you know, loads of times over like a six-month period and we just kind of played. And then,
3: yeah.
2: you know, that, that kind of happened. And as you say, like a lot of the time, in the music not that much is happening but it's it's been a really nice thing to listen back to the bits where stuff did happen and be yeah. like, oh, that that just like was created in like a moment almost you oh, know, was... Tune Yeah, was
3: Tunes
0: kind of on a whim it was,
1: and, yeah. and it's like it kind of builds it's, like it's like it's kind of cooking or something and the bits where you're just kind of noodling away or kind of playing the same chord for a while mm-hmm. or whatever it is like it's going along and it's like that is kind of building up some kind of energy or something like yeah. that. And then just things start appearing.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love, like, and sometimes it's not like they slowly start appearing. Sometimes it was, like, quite sudden. Yeah,
1: it was just It'd like, oh, like we, we are We are in this tune now, <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah, that know. was brilliant. And then we did go back, and with some of them, some of them were just, like, as they were, the recordings, but we did go back and go, okay, right, let's develop that bit, a wee, wee bit, and add a wee bit there mm-hmm. and that. But a lot of it was actually just created exactly like that
0: so we also did the telluric thing that we've not talked about oh that's
1: true that's true um i came up with this title telluric translations and the only reason that i know what uh, telluric means is because i once read about uh this phenomenon called the telluric current because of the earth's magnetic field there's usually a measurable small current in the earth that travels through the ground in there you know depending on the composition of rocks and soil and things like that there'll Mm -hmm. be a measurable current there. In different places or? Well essentially right around the world there will be this kind of current because there's a strong magnetic field present and there's a degree of conductivity in the soil that generates a a really small current and I kind of chose that because I just wanted to kind of use that as an idea for collaboration with Um, you guys and with Luke Plum on the other side of the world. You know, it's really interesting because Luke lives in Tasmania but he's pretty much on the other side of the world. On the other side of the world is Get, unless you're in the sea or in New Zealand. (laughs) So we were just kind of collaborating over uh, lockdown. We were all at home a lot. So we were sending files back and forth and trying to play together online over Zoom, which was It was, like Joe described it, as being in a session with a very long bar, like a really long bar, so people are miles away from each other. (laughs) and They kind of can't actually play in time with each other. Um, So we ended up doing a recording project where we would send each other files back and forward. And it was really interesting. The other aspect of that was basing that on where we were on ideas of the kind of natural environment or built environment wherever we were and getting inspiration from that in different ways and photographs or kind of direct experience
3: yeah Uh,
1: and that came up with some really interesting bits of music that i hope we're going to kind of expand on a bit and make into something what did you guys make of that like in terms of uh it it was a pretty. Grim time in, in <laughs> February. I think we started in February. Yeah. It was really grim. It was absolutely freezing and things were not looking good for coronavirus and stuff like that. So there was a lot of distraction. I, it was actually quite hard to focus on, on doing stuff like that for yeah.
3: me.
2: I think so. And I think it was just kind of the world's longest winter, wasn't it? <laughs> that yeah. one. Um, But it was good to have something... To focus on that was music and that was collaborative and that was about actually, you know, making stuff. Because I think there's been a bit over the over that time that's been about like presenting stuff, you know, like recording bits of gig or bits of playing or whatever to kind of put to the world. But out of kind of existing music but it was nice to just be thinking about just making something and we were very tried a lot of different things that kind of like worked with our situation you know the way in which we it was like okay someone will start an idea and then pass it around and it will get expanded on kind of individually everyone's just like someone has an idea someone else just completely separately adds something to that and round and round it went from me in Uber to like Charlie and Liz Moore, to me in Glasgow over to Tasmania. And then you have yeah. a finished bit of music that's quite far away from where you started yeah. and things. And yeah. <laughs> it was almost like the kind of conditions we were writing and stuff in, they weren't constraints. It was like starting points for doing yeah. something in yeah. a and in a different way. And that was quite interesting and quite freeing
1: in some ways, yeah. I think. And, you know, it's funny, me going, oh, yeah, it was absolutely freezing. But, of course, in Tasmania, it was the middle of summer, and Luke yeah. was going, oh, look, here's here's what it looks like outside. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they did actually try some genuine experiments, so everything didn't kind of turn out fabulous. <laughs> like the times we were trying to interpret the skyline together live, mm-hmm. it was just really quite a lot of noodling yeah. <laughs> going on.
0: Well, I think that's <laughs> why it was so nice, is because <laughs> there, there wasn't... None of us felt that pressure to make something... Finished and amazing. It was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an experiment, and it was just us creating together.
1: Yeah, a lot of those things, those recordings are, are fantastic. Yeah, really, really evocative stuff there. Absolutely. Kind of seem to be in a very much more kind of familiar place now in terms of uh, everything seems to start happening again. But it's yeah. a whole other series of kind of readjustment, really, isn't it? It's yeah, like, that's remember. it's back to working and more in person. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, a good series of adjustment. but it does. Uh, the first time we were playing again as a really I kind of felt a bit odd before the gig. <laughs> this is the best way to describe it. Like, not like usual, like, all right, okay, going to do your okay, gig. Right. Um, sort of the usual situation. I did feel kind of oddly nervous but for no particular reason. I think it's just that thing of not being used to the situation. And then once I've done that, it, I feel it's a lot more kind of settled in my mind that, right, okay, this is all happening.
2: I remember yeah. this now. yeah. <laughs> I think the idea of like what you're saying about almost like a rehearsal gig before you're up playing yeah, Mechanic, yeah. Um, that seems like a really good idea and I think I'm going to need something similar before my first gig back. You know, yeah, maybe absolutely. in the studio, just get a few hope in or something. Yeah, guess
1: support And actually, uh, sometimes actually playing in front of friends is actually need more nervous-making than playing in front of people that you yeah, don't I know. Find it way worse, so way I mean, worse it's way. quite a good, uh, it's quite a good, it's a good idea to do that, like good just kind of get, workout some, for yourself. get some friends that you know in, and uh, you can get past that you know, difference again. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: It's lovely hearing your sort of approach to, to writing and things, have you always been writing music?
1: I think the first time I first time I remember writing music was I had my brother's guitar and I was just kind of was sitting on the heater in my bedroom because it was cold and I kind of was messing around with kind of chords and stuff like that mm-hmm. And I came up with We Melody when I was like about 15 or something like that. I think it was the first time I can remember sort of writing things. And then I would probably write a few kind of not very good lyrics, kind of various books and things like that. But uh, yeah, ever since then, i really enjoyed writing stuff. When I came to Edinburgh, I was lucky enough to have lots of friends that I was jammed with. And we had a band called the New York Pig Funkers, which was a funk band and... The way that we wrote was we'd just get together a jam and because I was, it was like so exciting kind of playing with lots of, like there's seven of us. I don't think we started quite with seven of us, but was maybe six of us or something, it's quite a big band. And we would do, I'll just start out playing whatever came in our heads, you know. And mm-hmm. just, I was just, it was really nice playing with a drummer and I'd just come up with some bass lines and then everybody'd come up with horn lines and keyboard lines and everything and we'd take it from there. And a lot of the times it would just, in the same way, just jam something, and things would come out of that, and then would start arranging a bit. But so it was a that was a really good time. That's exciting, fun band to be in.
0: What about um, you, Joe? What was your first sort of writing experience? Do you remember?
2: Um, I can remember it quite clearly, actually. When I stayed in Acknessbury and I was a teenager, you know, probably about fourteen or fifteen as well. I worked in the pub along the road, you know, chopping veg and washing dishes. And- uh-huh that sort of thing. A bit of waiting tables although it was always very like I'm waiting a table there's a high chance someone's going to get some soup thrown (laughs) over them just because of the height that I had to come down to to get it on the table etc. But you know in the summer it was always in July you'd have like three weeks of just like beautiful weather and I'd just kind of go home and sit outside in my folk's garden and play the accordion. And I remember you know I'd just sit and you know play whatever I'd been learning or been playing with my granddad and stuff at the time and then I was playing away. I was playing. Um, I think it was a Fergie McDonald tune. You know that, that one. And then yeah. I was playing that. And then I was like, suddenly I was playing something else. And I was like, oh, yeah. what am I playing here? And then I was like, oh, oh, this has come out of my head. oh, that's nice. And it was just like <laughs> a wee jig. Um, uh-huh. And I never felt like that was something that was within my power to do before that. Because I think it was th- that way of growing up, playing lots of tunes and learning lots of tunes and. Of piping as well yeah. like it's it was like oh this is something to be learned and done as opposed to something that i can have a, absolutely i think a voice in a i minute. remember
0: feeling that very mm-hmm. same thing of you know oh you, you play the traditional tunes even mm-hmm. if they're sort of modern composers
2: yeah it's like there was something that hadn't joined up in my head like oh these just come from people and i'm a person so i can do this it felt like a massive realization at the time it was quite exciting and
0: Yeah. I think my, my experience of writing music is, for as long as I can really remember, I've been writing, like, little lines here and there, not necessarily full tunes. I think I wrote, wrote a few tunes when I was younger, in my early teens and things, but it was more little lines of music. And it's not till quite recently that I think I've begun to realise that that can be a form of writing. Well, it's, you just, know I mean? it's just form, isn't
2: it? And it's like what you what you understand, I suppose, and like that, you know, 8, 16 or 32 bars um, in an even time signature is probably just, that's the form of this thing and totally. I guess it's when it's out with that, it's another thing to kind of get used to. Well, it? you also, there's
0: nothing, you can't put your finger on it, you don't know what yeah. it is exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it is interesting, that thing how think something is a kind of fragment, it's just a tiny thing, starting yeah. for this kind of tiny thing and then it kind of grows out from that like a plant. But I've, I find it's like there's a point that comes where you just you're you're not actually it's not growing you're just kind of get stuck yeah. in one little branch <laughs> and you're going round the branch <laughs> and then you have to just kind of leave it for a while to come back to it and then you might can kind of be yeah. able to kind of grow it some more again you know what I mean I do know that it's like my brain obviously there are people who have this extraordinary capacity that they can just carry on that, like and they'll just kind of write. A, Massively long, complicated piece of music, and go. All oh, right, I just did that, um, but I don't think that's how I work. It's like the same, there's these fragments, and then the fragments grow and they transform into something else, and then mm-hmm. something coming back to them is where you can they become a kind of bigger piece of music. I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I'm I'm certainly trying to write more pieces of music now that are small, actual melodies, but quite heavily improvised around them.
1: Yeah.
0: And I guess a lot of mine and Joe's musical focus is around sort of old Gaelic tunes as well or Gaelic songs and they're quite often similar. it mm-hmm. will be two lines or three lines, you know?
2: Yeah. Or, or, you know, or even just a few bars or something. Exactly. But I think when you listen to particularly old recordings of wee Gaelic songs like that, you know, where you have a short melody or whatever, a lot of the thing which makes it like gives it vastness and epicness or whatever is just is those wee bits of kind of inflection and how and you know the sound of a voice and how it changes and the sound of the words and stuff like exactly. that and I suppose I think there's something about that in the music that we do Charlie about like trying to get some of the energy of that you know in the expression and in the kind of improv bits of yeah. how we're playing and things which is that's certainly how it feels to me is it's like trying to get into the feeling of those sounds and allow that to inspire things and
1: I no, think. Yeah. There's actually very few notes. You could have as little as like five notes in some of these melodies, but they're fantastically strong and evocative melodies. Absolutely. So it's like uh, more notes is not necessarily better, you know. In that kind, of, in that sense, and I, and I think I kind of relate to that as well. If we can find the stay within this kind of range, so that's mm-hmm. for me. It's the, the kind of really extraordinary thing about that uh these kinds of music that you've just kind of got a few notes what can you do with a few notes you can do quite a lot actually yeah um
0: you must have listened to a fair amount of Gaelic song and things growing up as well did you yeah I did
1: well my dad was from Lewis from um from Stornoway he could actually sing all right before I was born he was actually quite involved in this Gaelic choir in Forest. there was a Gaelic choir and he would do the language side of it I, I mean I do remember hearing um Ishbal singing for the first time, it was just like quite different to um, other experiences of being at the Kayleigh. usually as a kid I'd be at the Ceilidh, I'd be feeling really tired and I'd be thinking, when are my folks going to go home? As there was a point where I was quite excited and was, and then it was just the sitting still aspect of it would just be like, God when are they going to go home? This is going on forever, <laughs> you know? Quite young and easily bored. <laughs> And um, so, although it was quite interesting, a lot of things weren't really that exciting, but when Hishpolli, or granny sang, which was kind of like, nobody knew that she could sing like that, (laughs) except um, you know, apart from her family. It was absolutely amazing. Like there was just this kind of odd silence and everybody was just utterly kind of spellbound by it because she was such an amazing singer. Uh, so there's moments like that. I mean, then there's other people who are less fantastic fiddle players or singers that would kind of
3: mm-hmm.
1: appear sometimes at these things. Well, I'm perfectly honest; like I, I was found a lot of it really quite boring uh, as a kid, <laughs> <laughs> and it was these such sort of things that were a highlight that kind of stick out in my mind. Mm. Yeah.
2: What brought you to the bazooki as an instrument? Well, if you um, in bass and stuff mostly before.
1: I again another angie story. I'd always quite liked the sound of the buzuki and everything, and I was like, oh yeah, cool. that's that's an interesting instrument. Luke had one, and he used to do some gigs with Simon Bradley, so I'd go along and see him playing with Simon Bradley, yeah I was like, oh, that's great. That's really, really good. And of course, I'd seen Andy Irvin and uh, Donald Lunny and all of and mm-hmm. them playing bouzoukis, and I was like, oh, that's that's quite a cool thing. But I'd never actually played one, and we were playing, did this series of gigs in this with Strugal Nefty at the Spiegel tent and that was a kind of regular thing for us every Edinburgh festival It's mm-hmm. it was a great thing to do. And Angie had just moved flat and he had a terrible habit of leaving stuff behind. <laughs> the only things he would ever have with him would be his jacket, his fiddle and his passport in his fiddle case. That was it. Just about <sighs> everything else seemed appeared to be dispensable and he'd just leave it lying around. If he moved out flat he'd always yeah. kind of leave some clothes or something lying there. This time he left a bazooki there and a mandolin, and his old flatmate Magda came up to the gig and was like, Oh, Angus, how are you doing? You left these in the flat like a few months ago, and I just thought I'd take them up. And Angus was like, Oh, I don't want them. Just like chuck them away. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this was just before the gig backstage. And I was like, you really? I mean, it looks like he's gone, Oh, that thing's knackered. Look at it. The next, like a banana. So I was like, well, if you're serious, Angie, um, I'll certainly take them. I'm sure it's fixable, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, can you have it. I have it. I'm not going to play it. It's knackered. Yeah. So I took it back and I, I took it to an instrument repairer who very quickly kind of replaced a few frets and sorted out the neck by tightening up the truss rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was quite playable. So that's how. And so then I had a bazooki. And so I started playing the bazooki and had a great time playing it. Um, you just
0: kind of taught yourself
1: yeah 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 so I just start playing it and messing about uh, and the sit- it's the same situation continues me you know, playing it and messing about but what's really nice about it is that it it's nice for writing melodies on mm-hmm. and coming up with chords that are different voicings from what you would come up with on the guitar or anything else yeah so you kind of come across different chord voicings and and I find it quite inspiring to kind of write things and I can't play anything very fast on it or anything like that but it's it's just uh, I just really like it Is that the same instrument? No this no. instrument uh, was, You had that made in Australia yeah, right? yeah it was made by uh, Pete Daffy great instrument maker who is uh, had made Luke's Pizuki and is also a fantastic musician he kind of plays all kinds of music like from kind of rockabilly to rock and roll to folk music to you can He can make anything and uh, play anything, it would seem, but as a brilliant instrument maker. It's been really good. It's been great. Uh, So I just asked him to make that, and we went on to play the National Festival near Canberra in in Australia, and Pete actually stayed up all night to finish it because he needed to kind of... (laughs) kind of join the neck to the body and so do something quite serious before it was finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then he came up and he's like, oh, the bridge, we've got to do the, I haven't made the bridge yet. And he just made the bridge just like that as I was watching. It was amazing. Wow. Just like with chisels and stuff. He was just like, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. That'll do. There it is. And he made the bridge perfectly. Fun. Incredible.
2: Yeah. You know, we were sitting looking at it and you wouldn't, even have thought it's like it looks like a beautifully made
1: exactly it's, it, it is yeah but that's that's skill for you he's uh, yeah. I've spent many many years uh, making instruments and <laughs> um, so it, that was really nice the bazooki that was angie's um i lent that to you and you and the person's got that just now so it's still uh it's still getting played and stuff like that and it's good i enjoyed playing that as well but it's um it's, it's pretty ancient and so it's it's not as loud or as kind of yeah um as bright as this one and um, yeah I find going to Australia I've been lucky enough to go to Australia quite a few times with mouth music and with um, Sugar Nifty more it's been really interesting because I've kind of understood the kind of Australian music a bit more like there is definitely a kind of Australian flavour to music because when you first hear it you go to yourself oh that's a bit like Irish music but not quite or that's a bit like American music but not quite
3: mm-hmm.
1: but I've actually realised that it's a kind of parallel sort of evolution Yeah. that that's because of the people who emigrated to Australia from Ireland and Scotland and the kind of go back and forth nature of music that's always travelling that there's this kind of parallel evolution in Australia and it's actually um, a really, really fascinating kind of musical Mix there,
2: big time. I've been out a couple of times to play at various things as well, and I really kind of found that as well. But it's it's funny because in some ways it's like subtler. Like I think the obvious example of like you know, well, Scottish music traveling that people would give would be Cape Breton and everyone who went over there in was it late seventeen through 1800s, and there's like this this kind of like tradition of. Fiddle playing and, and piping, and then things that have grown alongside it, like piano and stuff like that. Yeah. That is that's quite distinctly itself, but related. I think what's happened in Australia is a bit, it's more of a mix of like from Scotland and Ireland and America and things, but it's also in some ways it feels more familiar, and in other ways it's like, oh, that's quite different. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Or even that, you know, if you take that to an extreme, like so bands like ACDC, mm-hmm. which are kind of Scottish Australians, well Australians with some Scottish ancestry. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um I've just been phenomenally influential on rock music, mm-hmm. you know, uh over over the years. You know, that's a kind of more extreme example of like kind of taking it off somewhere else. Yeah. But there's still uh, a, a kind of influence there, you mm-hmm. know, there's still an influence there, though things it's all music, you know.
2: I heard a great story about, um, what's the guy, is it Brian Johnson, that's the, no, the young. Brian, John,
1: Brian Johnson's the new singer, who, uh, Bon Scott was the original singer.
2: What's the guitar player called in the CBC? Uh, Angus
1: Young.
2: Angus Young, that's it. So um, there's a, a box player from Lewis originally called um, Tommy McLeod, I think 50s, 60s sort of time uh, anyway, and he, his folks immigrated to Australia and he grew up there and travelled back and forth, this was the thing. Yeah. Um, and. He was a you know, brilliant accordion player and like the reason that I know this is I've got this wee job um, where I write the biographies of the people who go into the Hall of Fame at the Scots Trad Music Awards. Ah, so yeah. his son was telling me the story about he Tommy would play in these kind of Scottish clubs ah. in Australia and stuff because it's you know like Cayleys and ah. kind of that kind of almost country dancing sort of thing. Yeah. It's a, a big thing over there and um, so he's playing away in this in this. It was in Melbourne, I think, in a club one night, the accordion, and then this this big guy gets up and is like, "Can I join you on the guitar?" And just starts starts totally the shred note on the guitar along to yeah. like some cheeky accordion, and that's and that's your man. Um, Angus Young. Yeah, playing playing.
1: Well, there you go. That's a good, that's a great story, Tom. That's, so that's I've him. never heard that one. Before. I think I might have
2: like I can't remember all of the ins and outs of it. Yeah, that, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So so there you go. The sort of uh, Celtic music, or Scottish music, kind of yeah. has influenced rock guitar players directly. Totally, totally.
2: It's just I couldn't imagine that, like um, young Angus Young playing along. Well, he was—he <laughs>
1: was—he started playing uh, gigs when he was really young. Hence the school uniform thing. Is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yes, that he would actually come from school and uh, and mm. up on stage and start playing because he's <laughs> was just mad for playing the guitar. <laughs>
0: So, Kui, you, you brought in a, a piece of music for us to play
1: um, around today. Yeah, if I can remember how it goes, uh, <laughs> I will uh, say it's a tune. Yeah, so just just like um, I had a bit of a chat with you guys on Zoom and had the first part, an uh, idea for the first part, and then I kind of got the second part together after that. Um, Would you be able don't to? Don't have a name for it or anything. Okay. So we'll have to think of a name. That's the, the bane
0: it. of my ninja's life. We're notoriously terrible at
1: naming things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um what what um I'm just trying to think, it's um call it um because I went for a walk along Air Beach and actually because like uh, so I've left the house quite early and uh, went to the beach because it's nice. So I could call it uh, the Sands of Air. that's a lovely title. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like that. did you think of that then, Quay? Um There were some really good moments in that. Nice dynamics there. Bit of coming and going. Um, yeah, glad I got to use the Udo.
0: Yeah, it's actually, like you were saying about it earlier, but it's sounding, it's sounding a bit silly. Is that something that well, you've I experienced before? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it sounds silly at all.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds great. No, I think on some tracks, it's kind of just this thing that's gone going whoop. Bloop, bloop. yeah <laughs> so it's, it doesn't but it kind of fitted in really well with the, the the groove there and it's nice to have a bit of rhythm in it it's interesting for kind of these kind of acoustic instruments and everything it's good to have something that's got a kind of soft ish sound to it like you know like the brand's quite good at that it's not got, it's not too attacky yeah and it's not too loud either i mean the kit is great and everything um you know, it's got a real attack to it. Drums have got such an attack to them. It's good to summon, have some of those, like, have got a bit of a softer attack to it. Yeah. It's great.
0: Also reminds me of Idra uh, Ducks. ever heard them?
1: Oh,
0: ooh, they make yeah. these hilarious noises. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a comedy instrument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Don Coots, uh, many years ago, when we used to do recordings for Taxi, that program that had lots of, uh, they recorded lots of great galaic singers and kind of musicians from all over the place and I was lucky enough to get to do a bit of percussion and I'd borrowed James's udu, his pot and Don Coots who's the director of Taxi always used to take the piss out of me and go are you playing that flower pot again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that
2: was all really nice I think I, lo- I love how when you You know, we started the take that we used as kind of the basis that we layered up on then, like...
1: We were just actually playing it through and just having a bit of a jam. And then it sort of went, it went off somewhere and went, oh, that's pretty good. Let's just use that. Yeah, I just about started (laughs) speaking in the middle of that track. I just about kind of stopped playing and started speaking... I just stopped myself in time. Because I, I was know like, exactly. This it's really great, quite good, so I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I almost did exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to play, you know. It's yeah. really yeah. good to play.
2: So, que is the kind of the way that we um, name these episodes. I suppose is that we ask our guests to kind of think of a word that yeah. kind of sums up the the music we've made together and kind of the chat and just the general vibe, I suppose. So. Just wonder if there's if there's one that springs to mind.
1: All right, a word. Um, one word. <laughs> one word I only. love I
0: love uh, posing this question to people. You know. <laughs> people on the
1: spot. <laughs> <I> see the <laughs> cogs turning. Um, let's go for superlative. <laughs> That's a great word. I love it.
2: It's tremendous. It's been superlative to have
1: you. <laughs> yes, yeah, thanks. great. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming down the road and
1: doing this with us. Total pleasure. And, um, yeah, I hope to be doing more again. Absolutely.
2: Well, that was a totally magic wee day in the studio with Quee. there. We've done a lot of music with him, Charlie and I, so it's always a pleasure to to do something new. We'd certainly both highly recommend going and checking out some of Quee's other music. He's done a lot with the band Shugal Nifty, as we talked about a bit in the episode, but equally as a composer and a solo artist and as part of some other groups. So definitely give him a wee Google and check him out. Now, as we've said previously, these podcasts are free to listen to, but if you do like what you've heard, you might consider supporting us by subscribing on Bandcamp. More information about what that entails and what you might get from that can be found on our website, which is www.cgjpmusic.com. As always, a huge thank you to our funders, the Marcus Trust, Britain Peers Arts and Creative Scotland for their support in creating this podcast. Their support allowed us to pay everyone involved fairly for their time, which I think is, you know, very important in these trying times. Thanks also to our producer Owen Sinclair, who is the captain of our Taking Note ship and keeps keeps it all together. On the next episode of Taking Note in a fortnight's time, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. In October last year, Charlie and I released our fourth album, which is called Spiorichus, A High Place. Now we released this while there were severe restrictions on performance and so we didn't get to mark this with a gig as in the way that you normally would when you launch an album. So we thought a nice wee thing to do would be to release a podcast where we listen through the album or listen back to it and Charlie and I will give a bit of an introduction to some of the tracks on there as well as a bit of insight behind you know the making of it and things like that. So we hope you'll join us for that in a fortnight's time. Bye for now. back.